What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim. We are going to talk about the best case and the worst case. The best of times and the worst of times. We're going to be doing that for the next few weeks for each Big Ten team. So if you don't want to miss out, make sure to like, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. These will not be up on YouTube. We're just going to do these on the podcast itself. So make sure you like and and follow us wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Apple, Google, Spotify. You know the drill. Make sure to leave a review. And what we're going to do, I'm going to do one from each division each week. Actually, not each week. I'm going to do it twice a week, so Tuesdays and Fridays. And I'm going to go in reverse order of what the great Phil Steele has uh, in terms of the, the order of finish. So we're going to go with the his projected last place team of each division today. And then we're just going to go up and up and up until we get to his projected champions of each division. And I really, what I really want to do with this is I don't, I don't want to be ridiculous and say, well, you know, Ohio State's going to go 0-12 because honestly, they're not. They have too much talent. They're not going to lose to Arkansas State. So the worst case, the realistic worst case scenario is not that they lose to Arkansas State. If they somehow lose to Arkansas State, I'll eat my words on this. But what we're trying to do and what I wanted to do is I really wanted to look at each team and think, okay, where, where might be some of the upsets be? If, if the coaches coach well, like what's their ceiling? And it really gets you to think about different matchups. We often don't think about the matchups. We often, you know, we'll see three, four weeks down the road. We'll be like, oh, like Rutgers stinks. And they they lost to this team by 30, and then they pull an upset, and you're like, well, what happened? Well, we forget that the game of football is all about matchups, right? Now, in the case of Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State, they just have all the good players. But even then, there's sometimes a hole, and they, they can exploit it. Like Michigan exploited Ohio State last year. Um, like Oregon exploited Ohio State last year. And so even sometimes when you have the most talent, you can exploit holes – and some coaches are better at it than others. Other teams have maybe more of an advantage in certain ways than others. And so I really wanted to do something like this because I think it, it's interesting to think about, you know, could Rutgers get to bowl eligibility in a reasonable fashion? Could could Ohio State go 7-5 and five or 8-4? and four? Could Michigan repeat and actually win the national championship? Do they, do they have what it takes? And so what I want to do here is I want to do a couple things. One is I want to be realistic. I, I also want to I want to be realistic in who I think teams can be. I also want to be realistic in terms of different factors. So with certain teams, and I'm going to pick, Ohio, pick on Ohio State for a minute. I'm not going to do a worst-case scenario where C.J. Stroud gets hurt. Like, because that's – it's probably not going to happen. And if C.J. Stroud does get hurt, every Ohio State fan could get mad at me because I just jinxed him. But he's – you know, he's got a good offensive line. He's probably not going to get hurt. And even if he does, Kyle McCord can probably come in. I I don't think there's going to be much much concern there. Uh, But – 
and here's where I think it it does matter is things like quarterback battles. And we're going to talk about that a little bit with the first team I talk about is it's going to be imperative that a certain player wins a battle at their position if they're going to make their best case because the other player doesn't have as high of a ceiling. And so that's going to be true. There are certain injuries um, that I think are going to matter more than others. And so if a certain team has a star wide receiver and he goes down or an offensive line that's thin, that's going to matter to me. But I'm not going to go crazy like Minnesota did and they got rid of – I think they lost five running backs last year and they still ran the ball down people's throats. Uh, I'm not going to go that far in these projections, okay? So because at that point I could just say, well, the entire offensive line gets hurt and the entire defense gets hurt and they go 0-12 and that's the worst-case scenario. Well, of course. But that's not what I want to do. I want to be reasonable in this. And I think there are some things that are going to surprise. So – I'm going to start. Phil Steele has the East Division, the, the last place member of the East Division uh, being Rutgers, which I don't think is a shock to anybody. To you that are Rutgers fans, uh, I know you, you guys are probably used to being picked last. And I'm, I'm here both to give you hope and also here to give you a dose, a, a, a reality check. So I'll start with the best case scenario. And I think you like the best case scenario. And I think some of you might think I'm a little I'm a little crazy. Don't worry. You'll think I'm crazier with my West prediction uh, here. Uh, just as a reminder, too, this is not my projection uh, or my prediction for the season. This is best case, worst case. For each team, you're probably going to get somewhere in the middle for most of, of these uh, when I come out with my predictions. But this is my best case and worst case scenario for each team. So here's my best case scenario. What I'm going to do, I'm just going to, I'm going to give a couple of thoughts about what needs to happen in camp. And then I'm going to tell you what's, what I think is going to happen in, in their schedule. So in the East, or the big thing for Rutgers is the quarterback battle. Gavin Wimsat has to win the quarterback battle if they want to uh, have a shot at their best case scenario. And I, I think their best case scenario is bowl eligibility. And I, I don't think it's a super, super long shot, but I'd put it at about 5% that they would get to bowl, uh, bowl eligibility. So, I mean, this is this is a reach, but I think it's reasonable. Gavin Wimsat has to win the, the quarterback battle. He, he was a high school senior that reclassified last year, top 100 recruit. He has to beat out Noah Vedral. And that's no disrespect to Noah Vedral. He's just, with Bo Melton gone, with Isaiah Pacheco gone, they, they don't have a lot of other talent on offense. And if Wimsat can reach at least some sort of, uh, of his potential, you know, he's athletic, he can run, he has better arm strength, they can be in business. And they can, they can frustrate teams which often can lead to upsets, which is what they're going to have to do. They, they have, a, I think, a decent defensive line. Their linebackers have question marks. Their defensive backs, I think, are, are, are going to be pretty good. Um, they have a really good punter. And so they can follow the formula from last year, which is let's win games on defense, special teams, 
and get a few special plays from Wimsat to win low-scoring games. And so the first game is at Boston College, and Wimsat makes enough big plays that they, they beat the defensive-minded Boston College Golden Eagles. And again, I don't think they're very good on offense, which is going to be a key. They've got to win the games where their, the, their opposing teams, their opponents, are not good offensively. And so they win a close game at Boston College. They win by about 10 points, gives them a lot of confidence. Gavin Wimsat runs for you know, 60, 70 yards, gives him some confidence, doesn't throw a pick, and he goes to their next game against Wagner, throws for 200-plus yards, again, doesn't throw an interception, and the defense performs really, really well. They go at Temple, who they beat 61-14 to last year on the, on the backs, again, of defense, turnovers, special teams, and they put up a similar result. And they're 3-0, and they're riding high, Gavin Wimsat has faced a little adversity, but not much because he, he did face Boston College. They play Iowa at home, which is key. They play Iowa at home. And here's the key about Iowa. Great defense, really good special teams. But Spencer Petras, he's a game manager. And if you frustrate him, you can, you can force him into picks. They don't have a great running game. They have some some decent receivers. Sam Sam Laporta is great. I think he might be the best tight end in in, in the entire Big Ten. Uh, maybe maybe that might be up for debate with uh, Michigan's tight end uh, and Purdue's tight end uh, Eric All and and uh, Payne Payne Durham. But Sam Laporta is is an excellent tight end. But they they find a way to limit his production. They force Spencer Petrus into some mistakes and they upset Iowa at home to get to 4-0. And they're riding high, they go to Columbus, they get destroyed by 35. They they put up a couple late scores in that game though to give them a little confidence boost. They they play Nebraska. And again, Nebraska has a little bit too much talent. They lose by 17 going into the break. They're four and two. Uh they they play October 22nd at home. They host Indiana. And Connor Bazelak, uh, the, the transfer from Missouri, who's starting for uh, the projected starter for Indiana, he's struggling to get it together. Rutgers, again, does just enough to win a slow, low-scoring game. They get to 5-2. and two. They play at Minnesota. Minnesota runs down their throat. They can't stop it. They drop to 5-3. and three. They play Michigan, same thing. They they get the ball run down their throat, and JJ McCarthy uh, throws a couple of big touchdowns. They they lose by by fourteen to twenty one points. They they go to Michigan State as an underdog, but again, Michigan State doesn't have uh, the running back. Uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, running back that Kenneth Walker the third he uh, left, and as as good as I think their quarterback can be um, in Peyton Thorne, he's a little inconsistent, and sometimes they, their offense struggles. And again, Rutgers just does just enough. Gavin Wimsat is able to run and throw and make enough special plays that Rutgers stuns uh, the Spartans, who does not have – they don't have a ton of offensive firepower. Um, they, have, they have a couple of weapons – 
but it, they're not overpowering. See, there's a theme here, right? A theme. If they can get teams and frustrate them enough and, and get them to be low scoring um, and they can overpower their front with their defensive front, they can, they can be in business. So they move to six and four. They lose at home to Penn State because they, they're not going to be able to handle uh, Singleton at running back and, and whoever the quarterback is uh, and Parker Washington and, and their receiving court. It's just too much talent. So they drop to six and five, but they go to Maryland and as much firepower as Tonga Bailoa and his receiving core, Jarrett and Demas and all those boys, as good as they are, they still have not figured out how to beat power teams. And Rutgers is able to limit their effectiveness with their pass rush. They frustrate Tonga Bailoa and they get to 7-5, and five, which puts them in a bowl game against a MAC team, which they can win. And they beat, they beat the MAC team in a bowl game. They get some experience. And they have an eight and five season, which matches their win total in 2014, I believe. Which that sounds absurd, but again, the formula for Rutgers is low scoring, uh, playing quarterbacks that might struggle, and running games that just they're not good enough to just win on their own. Like that is a key thing. If a power running, if they play a power running team, they're done. They don't. They don't have enough. Strength up front, I think, to really slow down good to elite running teams. But average running teams or, or and teams without, like, explosive talent, Maryland being the one exception, I think they, they have a puncher's chance, chance in every one of those games. And I like Greg Schiano as a coach. I like how he coaches. So it's, it's a possibility. Here's the worst-case scenario. They go to Boston College. Gavin Wimsat wins the job. He throws four picks against a defensive-minded coach, and they lose by 21 points. They give a vote of confidence to Wimsat, goes into Wagner, throws another three picks, but because Wagner is not a great team, they're able to kind of eke out a win. But in that game, Noah Vedro comes in relief uh, to get them out of a jam. They're, they're losing in the second half. Vedro comes in, and they're able to get, to get things going. They give another vote of confidence to Wimsat. He goes in at Temple. Um, they win that game barely. But again, Wimsat struggles, throws another couple picks, just making a, a, some really bad decisions. They go against, uh, because they are concerned about Wimsat's confidence, they replace him with Vedral against Iowa because they know Iowa's defense can get, cause a lot of problems and they just they get destroyed. Think Maryland, Iowa last year, Iowa turns them over. They lose by, you know, by 35. And then they play at Ohio State. They lose by 55. They play Nebraska. They lose by 35. And then they get, they get the bye to kind of lick their wounds. And then they get Indiana. Indiana, uh, Basilak, the transfer from Missouri, goes wild, has a career day. They lose by 21, and it's just becoming much very or becoming very clear that they are headed to, towards a two and ten season. They drop the rest of the games by at least 14 points each, and they finish two and ten. No bowl season. All momentum from 2021 is gone, and Wimsat's confidence is shattered. Um, and hopefully, I think hopefully rebounds a little bit. 
uh, during the offseason, understands that, that this was his freshman year. But I, I think that is the worst-case scenario. And if we're talking about Rutgers and, and where I think they are headed, I think they are more likely to be near the worst-case scenario than the best-case scenario. But I, I, I do hold out a glimmer of hope. Like I said, I think it's a 5% chance that they can get to, to seven wins in the regular season. I'd put it at maybe 15% at six wins in a bowl game. I would, but I would be, I would set the over under on wins for the season at three and a half, because I think this is going to be a tough road to hoe for for Rutgers. So those are my best and worst case scenarios for Rutgers. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with Illinois, uh, who is projected to finish last in the West. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. We're going to talk about Illinois and Illinois, projected by Phil Steele to finish last in the Big Ten West. By the way, if you're like, who is Phil Steele? He, I think, writes the best and most comprehensive guide to the college football season uh, maybe ever. He is, I think, just a wealth of knowledge about the sport. And I, if you get a chance, pick up his magazine. I think there's a lot of good stuff in it if you want to know more about different teams uh, where teams might do better or worse than last year. I, I just think he has a good, good insight into all 131 FBS teams, which is incredible. So go and check out his magazine. I think he's great. We're going to talk about Illinois, who he has projected finishing last in the Big Ten West. And I'm going to start with the with the best case. And And here's the thing. Again, you might think I'm crazy, but I think the best case scenario is to be in the Big Ten championship game. Now, before you turn this off and be like, this guy is just off his rocker, there's a few reasons why I'm saying this. One is they were very close last year to being eight and four. Like if you look at their schedule, you know they lost to Texas San Antonio, who ended up being pretty good, but they lost to them by seven. They lost to Maryland by three. They lost at Purdue by four. They beat Penn State. They lost to Rutgers by six. They went on the road and beat Minnesota. They were within 10 at Iowa. And so if you look at that, they, they could have easily beaten Rutgers. They could have beaten Purdue. They could have beaten Maryland. And they were within seven against Texas San Antonio. So, you know, very few games were decided by, or there, there were several games that were decided by seven points or less. Which, to me, that signals, okay, they certainly aren't that, the most talented. But it's not like they were that far off. So that's one reason. The second reason is this. 
the Big Ten West could easily cannibalize itself. So if you look at the at the the top teams, Wisconsin, Iowa, I shudder to say Nebraska, but in terms of talent, Nebraska, they all have more talent, I think, than the rest of the Big Ten West. But there's enough holes that you could easily see each of those teams kind of cannibalizing each other. And we've seen that two out of the past four years, 2018 and 2020, the most talented team has not represented the Big Ten West. Northwestern, in 2018, got to 8-4 and four and made it to the Big Ten Championship game because the Big Ten West cannibalized itself. And then again in 2020, I mean, COVID helped, but Northwestern probably was not the most talented team in the Big Ten West, and yet they got to the Big Ten Championship game. And I I think Pat Fitzgerald is a great coach, but so is Brett Bielema. And I think if things play out right, again, I'm not putting this at like a 50%, hey, you should go bet Illinois on making the Big Ten Championship game. But I think it is reasonable to say that the best case scenario, the absolute best case scenario, is that Illinois scratches and claws to eight and four and backs its way into the Big Ten Championship game. So let me let me show you how I get there. They, they open August 27th, week zero, against Wyoming. And Wyoming, I think, is a decent uh, group of five team, but... They're able to, to overpower Wyoming and win. They get they go to Indiana and they they're able to outrush Indiana. Um, it's a close game. Now here's and again, the, Illinois is very similar to Rutgers, except I think there is a, there is a difference, and, and it's this. I think Illinois can rely more on its running game. And I think they have a a a more dynamic player in Isaiah Williams at wide receiver, and I think they have a good tight end. So I think if they are balanced on offense and they don't have to play catch-up against teams, I think they can win. That's going to be a problem against Virginia, who's their week three, or week two opponent. Sorry, they play week zero, week one, week two. They play Virginia at home. Last year they lost by 28 to Virginia. I think Virginia has too much firepower. And so they lose to Virginia by a couple scores, they get a bye, they play Chattanooga, and Chattanooga, uh, they, they overpower them, they win by four or five touchdowns, and that sets up a matchup at Wisconsin, and they, they're not going to beat Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin has, has too much on the ground. I think Braylon Allen is, is one of the best running backs in the country, or in the conference and in the country, and Wisconsin overpowers them. Uh, so now they're four and two and it's also at Camp Randall. So that, I think that makes it tough. They play Iowa at home and they beat Iowa again. And Iowa fans, if you're listening to this, I don't think Iowa's terrible. I just think if you're relying on defense and special teams, at some point you can get got. And I think Illinois could have just enough. Tommy DeVito is the transfer quarterback from Syracuse. You know, he, he's able to hit Luke Ford and Isaiah Williams and Casey Washington. 
And the offensive line holds up just enough that they are able to hold off Iowa. And they win. Um, that, that puts them at 5-2. and two. They play Minnesota. And they lose to Minnesota 5-3. and three. I think, again, I think Minnesota's running backs. You look at their running backs. Tanner Morgan's back. He's experienced. They, they, they're able to just do enough. I, I think Mo Ibrahim, I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, in the conference this, this upcoming year. So they have another bye, and they play at Nebraska, and they lose to Nebraska. Sorry, let me back up a little bit. I, I messed up here. I think they can beat Minnesota because of the balance offense. Um, so they beat Iowa. They beat Minnesota. So that puts them at 5-2. and two. By week. No, sorry. Sorry, I've got my numbers right. I do think they lose to Minnesota. I think they go at Nebraska, and I think Nebraska hasn't learned from their mistakes. You know, they, they turn the ball over, and they get to 6-3 and three because Nebraska cannot keep themselves from blowing games. It's a close game. Illinois upsets them uh, at Nebraska, and they're now at 5-3. Uh, and three. They play Michigan State, and Michigan State, again, Peyton Thorne has a, an off day. They're able to run the ball against the Boilermaker or against the Spartans, and they win that game. They get to Purdue, and Purdue, as as good as Aiden O'Connell, I think can be. They force him into some bad decisions. They control the clock, and they win that game. They go to seven and three. They play at Michigan, and they they keep it close for a half. In the third quarter, Michigan starts to pull away. Illinois scores late to, to make it look more respectable. They, they lose maybe 34-24. to 24. And at Northwestern, they go and, and blow the doors off of Northwestern. And they get to 8-4. and four. And, again, the, the, the recipe for success is that Illinois has enough balance that they can frustrate teams that are maybe a little bit more one-dimensional or that are maybe a little turnover-prone. So, Iowa, you know, Iowa does not have really any strong thing in their offense. You know, they have a tight end, but a tight end alone probably can't beat you. Um, and they're able to isolate him and, and, and kind of slow everything else down. Uh, Nebraska's turnover-prone. Right, Purdue is pass happy, but they don't have a strong running game. And sometimes you can get so reliant on the pass that when you need to run out the clock because the pass game maybe isn't as a, as effective, you're able to spring an upset. But then you, you know you look at maybe the more high powered teams. Virginia, they have more talent at wide receiver than I think Purdue does. Wisconsin just I think is too strong running the ball. Minnesota is too strong running the ball. But if you look at that, they are six and three in the conference, and I think there is there is a oh gosh, I think there is a a realm of possibility that at eight and four, 
and six and three in the conference, that could win them the West. You know, because Wisconsin, as great of a running team as they are, you know, Wisconsin has to play Ohio State. Iowa has to play Ohio State. Um, I forget Minnesota's schedule at the moment, but Wisconsin and Iowa are the major players, and yet they have to play. Uh, they both have to play at Ohio State, and they have to play the rest of the West. And neither of those teams are, I think, strong enough in all phases where they run through the West undefeated. And so I think there's a real possibility Wisconsin drops a few games, Iowa drops a few games, Minnesota drops a few games, you know, Nebraska gives away a couple games. And you have a bunch of teams in the West sitting at 5 and 4 in the conference and Illinois is 6 and 3 and they go to the Big 10 title game. Where they meet an East power and they get throttled. And and they get eight and five, but because they're or eight and five, because they're in the Big Ten championship game, they get a, a, a decent opponent in a bowl game and they lose in the bowl game because they just don't have enough talent to really compete. But they made an eight and six season. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um and I think it's possible. Again, I think we're talking about what is possible. We're not talking about what's gonna happen. But if you look at their schedule, you look at the West. I don't think it's a complete non-factor. I think it could be, you know, a 10% chance that that happens. Now, let's get to the worst-case scenario. Um, the worst-case scenario, they start off against Wyoming. Wyoming is is not a terrible group of five team. And while they only return eight starters, they just can't stop their running game and they just get they get humiliated in week zero. They lose by 10 points. And they go to Indiana in, in week one. And the, the quarterback, who I'm, I'm blanking on his name, uh, Komazak, I think. No, it's not Komazak. Oh, gosh. Uh, Basilak. Basilak uh, has a great first start at Indiana. And they move to 0-2. They play Virginia, and it's another blowout loss to Virginia. Puts them at 0-3. They have a bye week. They play Chattanooga the next week. They they barely scrape by against Chattanooga, and they lose that game. They play out or they they win that game. Sorry, they beat Chattanooga, but they're very concerned about their game going going into Wisconsin, and they get beat by 35. So they're now one and four. They play Iowa, and I, you know, Spencer Petras has a good game. Sam Laporta goes hog wild. They can't stop the run, which leads to a couple of big time passes. And Tommy DeVito, the transfer quarterback, throws a bunch of interceptions to Riley Moss and company, and they lose by forty. And Minnesota then comes and avenges their loss from last year, and they lose by twenty eight. And the boat keeps rowing on them, and they enter their second bye at one and six. They come and play Nebraska, and for some reason, again, Nebraska doesn't turn the ball over and actually realizes that they can beat Illinois, and Nebraska wins by four-plus touchdowns. Michigan State comes in, and Peyton Thorne has no problems. They lose that game. They lose against Purdue. And at Michigan, and then they they end their season at Northwestern, 
and Northwestern, writes the ship, has a decent year, and outmuscles Illinois to help to have them go one and eleven. So this is a big swing. And again, I, I'm saying best case, worst case, I'm not saying that that is that either of those are the most possible. I'm saying that's the best case and the worst case. Here's what I'll say. I, I think they are more likely to go bolt to become bolt eligible than they are to go the worst case. So I would I'd put the odds at a one in eleven season at like five percent. I'd put the odds at bowl eligibility eh, maybe thirty or forty percent. Like I, I think there's a there's a I wouldn't say it's definitely fifty percent, but I I think Brett Bielema is the right coach. I think he's gonna instill some toughness and I really think this is going to be a better team. I would not be surprised if they're in the thick of the Big Ten West race halfway through the season. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to put Illinois in the Big Ten championship game in my predictions. Just so you guys know, I'm not predicting that. But I think there is a scenario, a realistic scenario, where Illinois gets there. Um, I don't think they can win it. I don't think that's the best. I I think even if Michigan State gets there, I think Michigan State's going to be so locked in to getting the Big Ten championship game that they lose that. Um, so, or that they, they would lose that game. So I don't think, I think Illinois' ceiling is a Big Ten championship game appearance. That might sound crazy. You might think, I can't believe I just listened to this. But hey, give me your thoughts. I'd love feedback. I'd love, you know, I'd love for you to review this thing. Uh, share, subscribe, follow wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. This has been the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. We'll be back on Friday to talk about Northwestern and Indiana. So take care. God bless.